Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. My name is Haley, and I'm your host. Today, we're going to have another guest. Her name is Ashley, and she is a dental student in Texas. She's a fourth-year dental student that has applied to pediatric dentistry residency programs, and she is dual-enrolled with her dental degree along with a master's of education. So I think it's going to be a really interesting episode. She also has a business I forgot to mention as well called Dear Dental School, where she does personal statement transformations and many other involvements with pre-dental students around education and building up their confidence and helping them recognize their unique self so that they can be the best possible applicant for dental school. So we talk all about that. We talk about some virtual interview tips and we talk about really a lot of confidence things to do with dental school and to do with being a pre-dental student. So if you're going into final season right now and you're feeling a little drained, I think this episode might be exactly what you need to reignite yourself and get a little motivated going into this last little push of our fall semester. And I did also want to catch you up a little bit on our fall term so far that's wrapping up. There's not too many updates. Thanksgiving was obviously a short week last week for me. I really just have quite a few finals left. A few of our classes are already finished up. I have a final and a final project in behavioral science. I have a final in our cariology class. I have a final for oral facial function. I have a final for cell biology. And I have a final for infection and immunity. And that's all that I have left. And that's over the next couple weeks in December. This week, the week after Thanksgiving, is really just a study week for us and also when we do that presentation. So thankfully, I have a little bit of time to catch up on all the things I've gotten behind in. Really, dental school is a lot of catching up for me, at least, especially with online. I'm sure a lot of you can relate. Things just kind of get out of whack when you're not on as much of a routine as you would normally be as a student with going to classes and being scheduled when you're actually going to do the certain material. Some things kind of get put on the back burner when you're really focusing on the other exam that actually is that week. Other classes might not be as much of a priority. So that's something I've been balancing this term. And I'm hoping that going into next semester, I am a little bit better at that. I feel like every semester of dental school so far, I've gotten a little bit better piece by piece, just trying to see how everything can fit together and really, I guess, just be my version of successful in dental school. And I think that's something you'll get out of this episode that you define your own success and you define what you want out of life. So I don't really have much motivation for this week's episode because this whole episode, in my opinion, is extremely motivating. So I'm going to let you just listen to that and I will talk to you after we're done speaking with Ashley. All right. Hi, everyone. So we have another guest today, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hello, everybody. My name is Ashley. I'm from Dallas, Texas. I went to undergrad at the University of Texas at Austin, and I currently attend Texas A&M College of Dentistry. Awesome. And you're in your fourth year, correct? That is correct. I am a fourth year dental student. That's awesome. You're in the home stretch. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We're almost there. Nine months left. And then are you looking to do general dentistry, or are you hoping to specialize? I am hoping to specialize. Okay. What are you applying for? I'm applying for pediatric dentistry. Oh, that's awesome. I've had a lot of pediatric dentists that I've talked to this past week that are going to be going up in the next couple of weeks too. So that's cool. How's your application process going? Man, it is interesting, you know, to be back in the um, process of applying for school. It's very much 
like the first time around where you're getting letters of recommendation, writing a personal statement and whatnot, filling out every little detail about what you've done on your application, spending quite a bit of money, but it is a worthy investment. And yeah, it's very interesting getting to evaluate dentistry from a very different perspective. So I look back at my personal statement that I wrote when I wanted to come into dental school and then looking at my personal statement after being in dental school, getting the opportunity to treat patients and really seeing how much I've developed and how what I thought was a passion before dental school really was just well-intentioned curiosity. And I realized that I spent the first two years of dental school really questioning whether or not this is really what I wanted to do, but fighting with the idea that I've already invested so much time and energy and effort. And truly, I did not know what else I would do if I walked away from it. Um, but it wasn't until I really started treating patients that I, that I think what I called my passion back then really became illuminated. And so having the opportunity to educate and transform and treat, it really, really put everything together. And it made those years of questioning. And I feel like those years of questioning finally had an answer. And so you went to undergrad in Texas as well as your dental schools in Texas. Are you hoping to stay in the same state for your pediatric dentistry program or are you applying all over, I assume? I have applied all over, coast to coast, and I am willing to go wherever. That's cool. Have you, I don't know the timeline for interviews. When would that be usually happening? And are they on Zoom for COVID? So this year, interviews will be, for the most part, hosted on Zoom. And that will be obviously a very interesting experience. But I also know that pre-dental students are also going to be having, a lot of them will be having interviews on Zoom as well. So I guess it's just a necessary adjustment, a necessary adjustment that we all make. Um, And it just happens to be the application cycle that we're a part of. Do you have any Zoom interview tips that you've picked up over the time? I actually do. So I actually wrote a sheet for of seven um, tips that I created for students that would be interviewing for dental school at my school. I'm going to pull them up and very quickly um, go through them. Funny because I was actually recording the video for it earlier today. So they are well, fresh awesome. on my mind. Is that just something you did out of the kindness of your heart? Are you like an ambassador to help students or is it like a YouTube thing? Like A little bit of the three, two. A little okay. bit of the two. It's kind of okay. a hybrid. So okay. I am... Um, have a business called Dear Dental School. I offer personal statement transformations. I do not call them editing because I'm not Grammarly. I transform your personal statement. I really help you find the power in your story so that you can find the power in yourself that will carry you into dental school and beyond. Um, I offer mock interviews and I also wrote a guide called Dear Dental School, the guide to getting into dental school. And so those are part of the things that I offer as my service. So when I knew that interviews were transitioning onto Zoom, I really wanted to find a way to take what I knew and um, assist students in the best way possible. So I reached out with my, to my school about an opportunity to do, to basically provide these tips. And they were very accommodating and they allowed me to kind of use my creative brain to create something for students. So I made a handout. Uh, for technical tips for the Zoom interview. And now these tips focus just on the technical aspect. Um, The fact that you are transitioning from a traditional interview where you would be sitting in front of somebody to now being online. So all of these have to do more so with um, the on, all of these have to do more so with adjusting to the new format of the interview. So the first tip that I talk about is lighting. Obviously in a traditional interview, 
Um, they create the environment for you. You walk into whatever room it is, you take a seat and you have the interview. However, on a Zoom interview, a lot of the environment that you create is based on you. So having good lighting is one way to set that initial precedence. Another thing that I tell students about is voice control. Again, in a traditional interview, you would be sitting right across from the person that you're talking to. You know that they can hear you as long as you know that you are audible. However, on Zoom, there's no way to know for sure how the audio quality is being transmitted. So it's up to you to maintain good voice control the entire time. So what I recommend students is talk with the same voice that you would use if you were giving a presentation in a small classroom. And another big tip that I offer is frame positioning. And so... Again, in a traditional interview, the interviewer would probably see about chest to waist up, upwards. So they would get to see your hand motions. They would see your body language. Um, and that's some of the stuff that you would do. And those are some of the things that you would do just naturally that, again, create presence and allow you to command the space. Now, because you are on Zoom, I know the tendency is to have your face be centered in the middle of the screen which is awesome. However, um, now you lose that opportunity to, for your hand motions to be seen and it becomes very 2D and flat. Now I tell students that they should back away from the camera, obviously still have your face be the center, um, but give yourself enough room to mimic the exact same positioning that an interviewer would see if you were in a normal, if you were in a traditional interview. And so that way they're able to see your hand motions and get an idea of your body language. And that really helps your interview come to life. Um, some other tips that I offer include negative feedback. And that's just things about typing, for example, on your computer can cause a very disruptive noise for your interviewer, as well as receiving notifications on your computer at the time of your interview can also be disruptive. And even something like a fan, something that you wouldn't even hear or notice can um, cause some feedback back onto the person interviewing you that can be disruptive throughout your interview. And of course, I recommend to students to keep a professional, do a dry run, and remember the absolute basic things about anything that you would consider when meeting somebody through a computer. So wanting to make sure that you have your Zoom link ready ahead of time, finding a nice neutral background, a space with little noise disturbances, reliable Wi-Fi connection, and making sure that you're connected to a power source. Those are really great. Thank you. I wasn't even expecting so many good tips. <laughs> That's Thank awesome. you, Haley. So um, another thing I know you mentioned, and this makes a little more sense now, Dear Dental School is Your Business, is that the reason you have like kind of a dental school Instagram page is just to get the business out there on social media? Funny that you say that um, because no, I think it's the other way around. So it started off as, you know, I'm going to share about what's going on in dental school because one, I didn't see many pages and then of the pages when I was a D1, when I was entering dental school, I didn't see many pages. And then on top of that, I didn't see many pages um, of people that looked like me. And so I am a black woman and I was, I know, underrepresented in the field of dentistry, but even more so in this virtual um, realm of healthcare. And so I thought it would be a wonderful opportunity to share with other people um, what my experience was and healthcare through my perspective and whatnot. And so I made this page and I had no idea what I was going to post on it. And then I got freaked out because I realized Instagram is all about pictures. I mean, at the end of the day, people want to see images. And there was definitely a moment where I backed away because I felt like I didn't fit the image of what people were looking for. 
And so if I didn't fit the image that people were looking for, then I wouldn't draw an audience. And if I couldn't draw an audience, then what was the point of me being, me trying to be, um, you know, on this platform? But I think uh, Dear Dental School was the first time that I realized that even though people are looking for pictures, which is very true, there is a different service and there's a different skill set that I can offer. So it began really the services aspect of it. Dear Dental School was always the name of my page um, because DDS, Dear Dental School, and to me it was like, this is my letter to dental school. But um, it wasn't until after I taught chemistry for the DAT at my school. So it was after my first year of dental school and getting to interact with the students I really recognize that I have this passion for education. And from there, it led to me pursuing a master's. I'm concurrently enrolled in a master's in education for healthcare professionals. So that was part of it. And then the other part was like, well, I don't want to wait till for formal academia to be able to teach students. And so I use the skills that I have that I've gained through past experiences. I put them together and I decided that I would use my platform to inspire pre-dental students to um, really find the power, like I said earlier, find the power that's that's in their story. And that is what I do. I guess I could call myself a professional storyteller, um, but that is what I do. I absolutely love getting to work with students. I actually wrote, sometimes when I leave some student um, meetings and whatnot, I get really emotional and I wrote a little bit about um, a meeting that I had with a student a couple hours ago. And so what I wrote is, I've cried with students. I've laughed with students. I've prayed with students. I've chased students down to pay me. I've listened to students pay a homage to me I'm undeserving of. I've celebrated students and their successes. And I've sat with them through their failures. I came into this position wanting to teach. But ironically enough, I have learned how to educate, how to have compassion, how to pull people out of self-pity, how to mobilize people to greatness. And most importantly, I have learned how to help people see the power in their story so that they may see the power in themselves. But it really has been um, an amazing journey getting to see my students turn into my colleagues and getting to see the confidence build in students. And I tell my students that it's not just about right now. Obviously, your scope is limited. You can only see what's directly in front of you, which is the goal to get into dental school. But what I do is I cultivate skills that don't just get you to dental school, they get you through dental school. And then you use those same skills and you take them to clinic. You use those same skills and you take them to patient treatment. Use those same skills and I hope that you walk out of dental school still garnering that confidence that I helped instill in you, the power that I helped instill in you. So it really is a wonderful position that allowed me to kind of do Instagram in the way that suited me best, that didn't necessarily have to put my pictures or my face at the forefront. That's really cool. Um, while you're looking for that, I was wondering, cause, but we did get a lot of questions on the dental download podcast, Instagram asking about how you studied for the DAT and then also any like general advice for pre-dental students. And like you said, someone asked like tips for being confident in your own abilities. So if you could maybe go into a little bit of some pre-dental advice, I think people would really appreciate it. Wonderful. So as far as studying for the DAT is concerned, I would like to preface this with saying that this is a standardized test. And the unfortunate thing about standardized tests is the only thing that is standardized is the test itself. They cannot standardize your life experiences. They cannot standardize your background. They cannot standardize language barriers. They cannot standardize any aspect of your story, of your background, of the life that you have lived. And so I tell students all the time to remind themselves that 
they're taking a standardized test under unstandardized conditions. And so that right there lets you know that this test can only hold to you at least so much value. Now, because of the way the system, the school system is set up, they do have to find some type of marker to use to be able to determine whether or not students can handle the rigor of dental school, and that is the DAT. And so in order to prepare for it, I definitely recommend DAT Bootcamp. Um, I used DAT Bootcamp the first year that it was created, so um, a long, long time ago. <laughs> and however, I know the um, resource has developed tremendously since then. And so I would say that is an all-encompassing resource. It's completely comprehensive. One thing I definitely recommend for students is to work on mastery of a few uh, resources rather than trying to dip your feet in every single resource there is. So the amount of resources for the DAT has expanded, which is good because now you have the opportunity to find a resource that suits you best, but it's important to really take the time to fully explore one resource as opposed to going through a number of resources. The way these test preparation resources work is they determine what is high yield information. So everyone's covering the same high yield information. They may be presenting it in a different way. And it's your job to really just master that skill set so or that information so that when questions are presented in you, you've explored it deep enough that you will be able to answer the question, even if you hadn't seen the question in your practice. And so that is one big tip I have for um, preparing for the dental admissions test. Now, I know you said there was a question about Ability, finding the, sorry, I could you repeat that one? Yeah, there was someone wondering um, if you have any tips for having confidence in their abilities. I think just in general with applying to dental school, I think it can be very discouraging for some people. Absolutely. And so, again, this is something that I was thinking about the other day. I was like, I really need to tell students to stop comparing themselves to other people. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, because for me to tell you, don't compare yourself to somebody else. And then you submit an application, which what will they do? Then compare you to somebody else. It almost feels deceitful. And so now I'm in the process of transitioning. Instead of telling students, uh, don't compare yourself to other people, it's twofold. One, when you compare yourself to other people, it's important to recognize that you are still adequate. Because I know we hear comparison is the thief of joy. And while that does have some truth to it, you have to think about all of the moments, and we're all guilty of it, that we use comparison as a way to make ourselves feel better. Like, oh, I made an 84 on the test, but the class average was an 80. And that's still a form of comparison, but that didn't rob us of our joy. If anything, it made us feel more equipped. And so comparison is not the thief of joy. The thief of, the thief of joy is feeling inadequate in the face of comparison. So I tell students... Compare yourself because you will do it regardless. Give yourself the freedom to do it because you're going to do it. But when you do it after it, you have to ask yourself, does this comparison then make me any less of a person? And so at that point, that is where students are really, and a lot of times students are able to separate the two. Like this is a score that I made. It's not the person that I am. This is a grade I made in the class. It's not who I am. The two are separate. This is an experience that you've lived through versus your entire life. And when you can start to separate your identity from your application, it allows you to still have that comparison, but know I'm adequate, I'm human, I'm complete, I'm whole, even in the face of comparison. And so that is how I feel like it is better to approach the idea of comparing yourself to other people. Now, in addition to that, when I was talking about the feeling whole and feeling complete and adequate, um, it's really important to be able to separate yourself 
from your application. You have to be able to take a step back and view your application in the same way everyone else will. Because the application is what? Experiences, an essay. And while it is extremely lengthy and in-depth and it covers so much information, it still doesn't tell every detail of your life story. And you have to recognize that you've lived a life far greater than everything that your application could ever possibly tell or encompass or show. Now, your job, of course, is to represent your life story in the best way possible, but you still know when you submit it that it still doesn't tell every single detail of who you are today. And so I think when you can compare yourself to other people, but still recognize that you're adequate as a human, and when you can separate yourself from your application, realizing that it's something that you turn in, it's not who you are, I think at that point, that's what's going to give you the confidence. Because it's not going to be the GPA, it's not going to be the exam scores, because I have students that make that score stellar on their DAT, uh, do amazing in undergrad, and they still come to me freaking out at the same level as people who have not done as well as them. And so really, it's a matter of recognizing that this application is still separate. This application process is still separate from you as a person. I think that's really great. And I could not agree more. So thank you for saying all of that. Hopefully that resonated with people. And another thing from hearing you talk, I would love to know what has made you so confident because I can tell that you are really sure of yourself and you've made it this far. So could you share a little bit about that? Thank you so much, Haley. Oh, let me think. Because I don't want to lie and say that I've always been this way, because I certainly have not. Um, there was definitely a period of life, long period of life, where I just spent camping out in my head. That's how one of my, that's how my middle school teacher described it, where I would have these ideas and these thoughts, but I wouldn't leave the campsite because the campsite felt comfortable. And I think it wasn't until I decided that life will be lived. Life is going to go on and I have to make the choice about whether or not I will enjoy it on my terms. And so I think that was really the, that was really the realization that allowed me to kind of take that step away from the campsite and walk into these areas that felt uncomfortable and pursue these opportunities that didn't quite feel like me, but recognizing that I was going to learn and grow And that being myself was the most radical thing that I could do, but also the most comforting thing that I could do. Radical for the rest of the world in a world that wants to, you know, fit us into boxes and tell us this is how we should look. This is how we should dress. This is how we should act. But very comforting to me, a person who was created with their own purpose, knowing that I would do a disservice to myself every time I try to fit into whatever box other people wanted to fit me in. And so on my Instagram page, I have a post about uh, me cutting off all of my hair and deciding to wear it to school. And it's a really interesting read about, um, and I touch on those elements of confidence and really just about recognizing that it is your life to enjoy. And so you have to operate in such a way that at the end of the day suits you and recognizing that People are not as worried about us as we think. You know, we may go to the grocery store, we'll be in public, and we think that people are looking at us or whatever, but a lot of times they're not. And a lot of times how we think the world sees us is a reflection of how we see other people. 
And so I noticed when I could offer more compassion to other people, when I could be kinder to other people, when I could give people the benefit of the doubt, I was able to do that more so for myself. That's really great. That It's like very awesome. I'm glad that you've kind of continued, it sounds like, building and building and falling more and more into like who you, your true self and everything, which I think is always everyone's goal. So that's great. Kind of leads into my next question, I guess, just getting to know your experiences more, but can you talk about how you've grown since undergrad throughout dental school? Man, my goodness. So in my dear dental school, the guide to dental school, or the guide to getting into dental school. I don't even know the name of what I wrote, but I wrote a letter to dental school and there's an excerpt in it from 2015 when I was taking the DAT and then updated or I extended it into 2018 when I was in my first semester, 2017 rather, in my first semester of dental school and I was going through it. And I think dental school was the first time that I truly had to ask myself what I put myself worth in. Because it's easy even for me to sit up here and tell you, you know, separate yourself from the application. That's something you do, not somebody you, not something you are. But dental school was the first time that I really struggled academically. And I'd never encountered that beforehand. I did very well in undergrad. And so I thought coming to dental school, I was like, oh, wonderful. I did it once. I'm about to do it again. This is about to be a cakewalk. No issues. Now I recognized that I was going to have to study hard, that I would have to put in the effort. I knew all of that. However, there came a point where it felt like I was putting in effort and I wasn't seeing the results of it. And that was so disheartening. And I think that was the time where I really had to ask myself, now that the thing that you do put yourself worth in but have denied for so long is crumbling, what do you have to stand on? And I think this process, the last three years and a few months that I've been here, has really challenged me to not put myself worth in my grades, not put my self-worth in my ability or lack thereof, but to really put my self-worth in God. I am Christian. And so really put my self-worth in God and recognize that I was created for a purpose and my purpose will be served and fulfilled. And it's not about the numbers. It's not about my Instagram followers or likes. It's not about the grade I can make in this class or on this wax up. It really is about what it is that I can give to this world based on what has been placed inside of me. And so that has probably been the biggest growth process in dental school. It's really understanding, or I guess not understanding, reprioritizing where I place my self-worth. Yeah, I can resonate a lot with that. Almost like I'm at the beginning of your story, though. (laughs) Just like going through that first semester of dental school, I feel like everyone I've talked to is like, it was so hard, like adjusting. It's just like a trip for everyone I think so it's nice to see the light at the end of the tunnel and it's always good to have that reminder that there's more to life than dental school and like you said more to yourself than the grades you can get in a class and your abilities and everything absolutely so kind of pivoting topics a little bit can you talk about what a typical day looks like for a fourth year dental student at your school I know there might be some changes with seeing patients with COVID I don't know how it is like in your city and everything Wonderful. So in general, the normal setup is that you will see one patient in the morning and then another patient in the afternoon. Each appointment is each appointment is three hours. And prior to the patient getting there, you know exactly what, well, you have an idea of what you may be doing that day because the appointment has, you scheduled the appointment prior to that. 
D4s are paired with D3s. And um, they play a very big role in assisting us. Uh, We help teach them different clinic procedures, help them get acclimated to the clinic. And so you will do your procedure in the morning on one patient. You will dismiss that patient. You clean up and set up your chair to then see your second patient. Like I said, whoever you're partnered with plays um, the role as your assistant. And now when D3s do treatment, their D4s are their assistants. Okay, so you are sometimes the one providing care assisted by a D3, but then other times the D3 is providing the care and you're helping assist them? Absolutely. Okay, that's cool. It sounds like a nice little team effort. That's awesome. Yes, it definitely helps. Um, And then since you're from Texas, like Texas schools, I know that like Texas has its own version of ADCESS. And I know that a lot of students at least from like Michigan, sometimes are thinking about applying to dental schools in Texas and know they're more favorite in-state students. Do you have any insight to that or any advice for someone that's out of state that's looking to go to one of the Texas dental schools? Absolutely. So I will be quite frank um, and say that it is difficult to get into Texas schools as a out-of-state applicant, mainly because Texas requires that 90% of its seats are reserved for Texas residents. And so that's where the difficulty comes to play is that um, in theory, you're applying not to the 104 seats, you're applying to maybe the 10 to 13 seats, if that makes sense. And so in order to create an application that is favorable at a Texas school, I think the biggest thing is is working to create an application that is strong and favorable everywhere else. Understanding that in Texas, you're applying for a lower amount of seat. And so there's not really something that you could, that I would say to do specifically, more so I would recommend I would recommend working to create that strong application. That way you can still stand out to admissions, even though you are an out-of-state applicant. Got it. That's helpful. I've Whenever people have asked me for my opinion, I'm like, it's just up to you. Like it's a weighing your chances game, like with the cost of applying, like if you think it's worth it and you really want to go there, then like apply. But it just, obviously your chances aren't as high. Absolutely. So what is something about your time in dental school that has surprised you? Well, after you um, struggle so much, struggle stops become surprising. But I think one of the things that has been the most surprising in my time spent is dental in at my time spent in dental school is the close relationships that I form with people. Uh, these people really become your family members. I mean, you see them more than you see yourself at some points during dental school. And forming these bonds with uh, my classmates who who now I call my close friends, I think that has surprised me the most. Because, you know, you come to dental school and you know you're going to learn, you're going to work hard, you're going to be challenged. But I don't think you recognize that you will meet some of the most amazing people that uh, life has to offer. And so I know it's like, obviously, life has to offer a lot of amazing people if everybody's meeting them, but it really does. And I feel like in dental school, the relationships I share with people are completely different. Because, you know, we struggle together and we celebrate together. In undergrad, 
uh, yeah, you knew people, but everybody was still kind of doing their own thing. But here it's like, you're all in the same classes. Everybody's test schedule looks the same. I know what you're doing this evening because I have the exact same schedule as you. And so that of course has set us up for close relationships, but really seeing how we can foster them outside of school, I think has probably been by far the most surprising and most amazing part of it all. That's really great. That's like the number one thing I was looking forward to coming into school. And even being virtual, I was myself surprised about how much I've still been able to like bond with my classmates just over like a group message and over Zoom and things like that. So I'm excited for the day that we can have more normal social interactions. I know it'll come in a year or two or something. So (laughs) that's good to hear that you had such a positive experience. It Um, will be nice. Yeah. And I know that or I assume that most people applying to pediatric dentistry programs are kind of top of their class or have good grades and everything. And obviously, like that's like you said, that comes with a lot of hard work and stress. So what do you do to get through days that are just very overwhelming? Absolutely. So for one, I don't want to put on the front that I'm sitting at the top of my class. Uh, top is obviously relative, but for what people think of as top I am not there. So let me dismantle that right here and right now for anybody that is listening. However, after a long day, what I like to do to unwind is I come home, I change, I get in my bed and I will call my friends that have nothing to do with dental school. They're outside. They all, they're, everyone's in a different field other than dentistry. And I will just chat with them. I mean, we can chat about dental school and I can just be angry about my rough day or just be honest about how I'm feeling, or we can just talk about something that has nothing to do with dental school, which is very um, comforting because it is important to realize that even though so much of life is consumed by school, that there is still other stuff that happen outside around you. I love to go to the gym, although my first year of dental school, I did not spend much time there, which was very hard for me because I went from going to the gym all the time in undergrad. I mean, four or five days a week to going four or five days a month. So it felt sometimes. So that was difficult to um, transition. But I feel like after my first year of dental school, I really picked it back up and I relearned how to love lifting weights. So that's another way that I really like to unwind after a tough and stressful day. Those are great. I'm glad that you have those, I guess, like not coping mechanisms, but just things you can go to that can make you happy and help you disconnect from the schoolwork. I think that's the thing I'm always working on is like when I'm taking a break, I need to like actually take the break and not be worried about school. So that's something I'm always working on. But we are wrapping up. I just have one final question for you. It's a little more deeper thinking, but how do you think the dentistry fits into your overall life goals? I think the better question is how do my life goals fit into dentistry? Yeah. Because when I came here, I mean, I have some of the most brilliant classmates. They have amazing hand skills. And I was like, I don't know if I was born for this. And so at that point, I was like, maybe I wasn't, you know? And I feel like there are some people who are absolutely born to do dentistry. I mean, their preps say it all. Their work speaks for itself. And I feel like there are others of us who are born with a skill set that can be used well in dentistry. And so I feel like I'm that second type of person where it's like, maybe I wasn't born to do this, but I can definitely learn to do this and really master uh, this skill. And so when I think about 
my life purpose and how it fits into dentistry. I know I'm answering a completely different question, but really I do believe that is the question to be answered. Uh, When I think about my life purpose and how it fits into dentistry, I consider that I am purpose to educate. And so that is one of the reasons why I'm pursuing the master's in healthcare education, because I do want to work in academia. I know you just had Dr. Joyce on here. And so um, I definitely appreciate her story that she shared because her being a professor at USC as well as owning a private practice, that is definitely one of my goals. And in addition to educating, I feel like I'm purposed to enrich communities. And that's something that I'm working on right now as I enrich pre-dental students and really empower them to pursue this profession. And also in addition to, in addition to pre-dental students, it also ties into me working in underserved communities. I definitely enjoy community dentistry. It's um, an opportunity to connect with a population that may be silenced in a lot of cases. In community dentistry, I get to see a lot of people with similar backgrounds as me, with uh, similar stories as me. And yeah, just getting the opportunity to use my handiwork to uplift and mobilize these people really is a blessing. And in addition to how I feel like my life purpose fits into dentistry, I believe I am called to empower. And so through dentistry, I get an opportunity to empower all types of people. I mean, in the future, I will have an opportunity to empower the students that I'll teach. Right now, I have the opportunity to empower the students that I work with. And ultimately, I hope to empower children, obviously, as a um, future pediatric dentist. And I hope to empower uh, people with special needs. I want to um, teach kids how they can care for Um, I want to teach kids how they can be agents of change for themselves. Um, I grew up in a household where I was the one who was very much in charge of my oral health. I don't remember assisted brushing. I don't remember being forced to brush my teeth, but I do remember that I was at the very least taught. And it was that education that really made the difference. And I don't mean to brag, but I have all 32 teeth and I've never had any dental work done. And I do not have any uh, cavities. It's like, have you not had any dental work because you're avoiding it? No, I do not have, I've never had any dental work done and I do not have any cavities. And a lot of that came from how at such a young age, people were able to empower me to care for myself. And so very lastly, like I said, I want to empower um, communities of people with special needs and special needs range. Special needs has a very large range, but I want to dismantle the idea that they are abnormal and that the least that we can do is accommodate people with special needs, because that really is the absolute bare minimum for me, for my life purpose and how it fits into dentistry. It really is a matter of celebrating all of God's creations. And that includes people with various special needs and creating a space where they feel welcomed and not just accommodated, where they feel like they have full range to really operate, function, live and thrive. Wow, I am so confident and I know that you're going to do all those things you talked about just from this brief conversation. I can tell how passionate you are and I'm very sure that you're going to accomplish all those goals and affect people in such a positive way. So I'm really glad that we got to talk today. But do you have any closing advice or final thoughts that you want to get out to the listeners? I know we covered a lot already. Okay, because I already, normally I would talk about, you know, 
being yourself and just operating in this life in a way that is pleasing to you. But because I already touched on that, this is what I will say. This is a very good um, piece of advice that I can offer students and that I often had to offer myself. And it is, you know, nothing. And I know it sounds ridiculous. And I've spent three years and a few months in dental school. And it's like, how can I sit here and say, you know, nothing. And in addition to that, how can I also accept I know nothing. And where I say that from is the idea that dentistry is so expansive. I mean, this field has existed. I don't even know how far it dates back, but too far back for me to count. So in the scope of everything that dentistry is, I know nothing. And my three years and a few months of knowledge compared to everything that it is that dentistry have to, has to offer I know nothing. To say I knew everything or to say I've even scratched the surface of understanding of this field is to do this field an injustice, really, because of just how much it holds. And so I remind students, you know nothing. And the person next to you also knows nothing. And the person next to you also knows nothing. And the person who did better on that test than you also knows nothing. And the person who can wax a tooth better than you also knows nothing. And if you're following me, it's the idea that every single person knows nothing. And so our job in the short time that we have to explore this field is to learn as much as we can and to commit ourselves to a lifetime of learning and to recognize that an A doesn't mean that you've made it because you still know nothing. Whereas failing doesn't mean that you've done terribly because at the end of the day, you would know nothing. So like I said, our job is to commit ourselves to lifelong learning because it really doesn't stop. And so while I know more than you as a D1, I still know nothing. And so that is the biggest piece of advice that, or my closing remark for students, which it's like, how do you encourage people for 30 minutes and then tell them, you know, nothing, but (laughs) that really is the truth that, you know, nothing, but your job is to just learn as much as you possibly can. Well, thank you so much for everything tonight. I feel like I have left this conversation very inspired. What is the best way for people to get in touch with you if they have questions or if they'd like to utilize everything that you offer through Dear Dental School? Wonderful. So the best way to contact me is on Instagram at Dear Dental School, or you can contact me by email and that's studentdentistashley.com at gmail.com and Ashley without an E. So it's A-S-H-L-Y. Great. Thank you so much for everything tonight. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me, Haley. All right. That is the end of this episode with Ashley. I hope you all enjoyed it. Be sure to check out her Instagram at Dear Dental School or reach out to that email that she gave if you are interested in any of her services that she can offer to pre-dental students. And honestly, I'm sure she's open to helping dental students if they're interested in applying to pediatric dentistry residency programs since she's now gone through that process as well. But next week's episode is going to be with my classmate, Jenna. We're going to talk about staying healthy in grad school. And Jenna is actually a natural bodybuilder. She competes in pro-natural bikini competitions. And we're going to talk about, yes, her experience of time management, how she maintains such an intense fitness routine and keeps up her nutrition and diet in dental school. But then, of course, we also talk about what's maybe realistic for someone that just wants a more typical fitness and nutrition plan and what to do if you feel like you've really fallen off the wagon or if you were never on the wagon to begin with, what to do if you're kind of coming from ground zero. So I give some of my opinions about fitness and staying healthy, but honestly, 
working out has not been much of a part of my routine in dental school at all. So that's why I wanted to bring on Jenna to give some perspective and then I kind of balance that out with my own opinions. So I think you're all going to really like that episode. And upcoming in January, I'm going to be posting another episode, Staying Healthy in Grad School, but this one will be about mental health, and I'll be joined by a D2 at my school. So I think that you're all going to really enjoy these topics, and there's something that was really requested by everyone. So if you do have any questions for the Staying Healthy in Grad School Mental Health Edition, if there's anything you want us to talk about, be sure to follow the Dental Download Podcast Instagram because soon enough I'm going to be posting an Instagram story asking for questions and maybe even for anonymous stories, just so kind of similar to the episode about imposter syndrome and comparison, just so that people can hear other perspectives beyond mine and um, my fellow Wolverine dental student here that dental school is hard and you're not alone and everyone has some ways that they get through it. So just be sure to interact with that Instagram story when it gets posted. And thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. I will talk to you next Monday.